The following is a Poppy Chulo Radio original program. The views and opinions expressed in the commentaries and or interviews in the following program are solely those of the individuals and are not views of Poppy Chulo Radio, its parent, affiliate, or subsidiary companies. Initiative, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Welcome to the Avengers Initiative, Falcon and Winter Soldier, a PoppyChuloRadio.com original series. Poppy Chulo Radio, celebrating a decade of podcasting excellence. Today is Monday, April 12th, 2021, and I'm your host, Jeffrey Aruz. During this podcast, we'll be having an in-depth discussion on Disney Plus's The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Please welcome my co-hosts, Priscilla Rocha. I have jurisdiction wherever I see I have jurisdiction. Oh, I like that. And Professor X. Believe it or not, I was going to do a variation on that same line. So instead, I'll just say, I know crazy when I see one. I am crazy. That is actually factually accurate, which uh, I enjoyed that as well. So let's jump into our discussion of Season 1, Episode 4, which was titled... The Whole World is Watching, and debuted April 9th, 2021, via Disney+. Plus. Here's the official synopsis of the episode. John Walker loses patience with Sam and Bucky as they get closer to learning what Carly Morgenthau is fighting for. It's just a sentence. I tried to, just tried to make it seem like more. I don't think it worked. It but it does, it does, it does. That it does. Okay, so there's so much that happened as far as individual storylines. Where I want to start is technically where we actually did start, but I want to follow this narrative thread. So let's talk about the Dora Milaje. Because it was the stuff of memes on the interwebs that it it just spectacular. So we start off six years in the past. We see the effects of uh, the Wakandans, in particular Io and Shuri working with uh, with Bucky and deprogramming him from his winter soldier you know, um, I don't even have them memorized. It's, I think it's like 17. Um, I know the last one is Homecoming. Because everybody, for some reason, when Spider-Man Homecoming came out, they were like, it has to do with this too. I'm like, nah, people, nah. Anyway, so he was successfully deprogrammed. He got emotional for being deprogrammed. And then we see their confrontation in Riga. And basically, she ends up telling him, you've got eight hours we want uh, Zemo. And then later on, they return, they being Io and some of her Dora Milaje guards, to collect Zemo, and they get into one of the most spectacular, let's call it an altercation, with uh, John Walker, a.k.a. Captain America. 
I feel the need to say that because every time he introduces himself, he's like, I'm John Walker, Captain America. And he points at himself because he feels he's precious. So let's talk about this. Let's talk about the Dormelage, how they were used in the episode. Priscilla, you were not here last time, so I would love to get your take on were you surprised at the tail end of the last episode when you saw Io? Yes. Yes, I was. I was like, what is he picking up off the floor? What is this? What are these little balls? And when he's when he, the the camera turns and you see Io, I was like, oh, it was the beads. That's what it was. How could I not remember that? Duh. And it, it like it it just clicked for me. Everything clicked for me. And when I saw Dora Milaje here, I'm like, how can you make this show even more entertaining for me? You need to add the Dora Milaje there. Yes. Their fighting styles, like, I don't know how you choreograph them along with everyone else's fighting styles, but, like, somehow they managed to do it and make it so it's entertaining and it's, like, obvious that, like, the Dora Milaje know and understand how each one of them are going to come at them and circumvent their tricks and manage to turn it against them, like how they did with John Walker's um, shield, where he pins it, where they pin it on on the table, and they managed to pick up the shield the way Captain America used to with the kickflip. I thought that was so cool. Everything about this episode, this 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 scene was just epic, and especially Zemo being like, "Oh, parents are fighting. I need to I need to go to another room right about now," and just walks away like not, like nobody's business. It was awesome. Everything about the scene, my favorite part of the episode. Loved it. Not only Zemo, but Falcon and Bucky. Uh, you know, should we do something? And then, like, you know, I forget if it was Bucky or Sam, but they were like, oh, yeah, go, you know, <laughs> go, John, go. And then they they actually do step in, but the fact that they were so hesitant because they were enjoying watching Walker get his ass handed to himself and completely, you know, just the, the final scene where, like, the final moment where he was like, they weren't even super soldiers. It was like, good grief. He was stripped of his manhood in that fight sequence. It was amazing. Professor, I know that you love you some John Walker, but let's talk about the Dora Milaje. What did you think of how Io was used in the episode? What did you think of the fight sequence? And uh, did you feel for for your homie, um, John Walker? Uh, I know that you care about him so much. Indeed. Uh, You know, he and I, two of a kind. Um, uh, we'll talk more about that as we go on. Uh, I love the opening, uh, you know, sort of tying it into, you know, that sort of, you know, little bit of a loss, you know, something that we know happened in the past six years ago. We know that, uh, Bucky was reprogrammed, uh, you know, or deprogrammed if you prefer. Uh, but we didn't know how, and to find out it was Io who was involved in that. And again, just the, the quiet confidence of, of her saying, I, you know, I'm not going to let you hurt anyone because I can take it down. Uh, you one-armed freak, um, uh, and, and basically, you know, gives him that great scene, but also establishes, you know, it, it, what Bucky is going through for this. You know, he is 
turning his back on on Wakanda, the one place he said where he found a little peace. Uh, will he ever be able to go back again after this? Uh, is he burning that bridge? Um, I, I think it's interesting. Uh, I loved, uh, you know, the uh, when they they return, just the economy of the fighting in that. Um, it just, you know, when you are as good as the Dora Milaje are, you don't have to waste a lot of motion. You don't have to fling yourself around. Everything is so precise and perfect. Uh, I agree. The kick flip was great. Uh, the uh, the scene with the, uh, oh, the pinning of the shield was fantastic. I did find myself wondering because the Dora Milaje, you know, their weapons are presumably tipped with vibranium as well. I was kind of curious as to what would happen when the vibranium uh, spear came up against the vibranium shield, but, uh, uh, you know, nothing significant happened there um so yeah it was just beautiful um i, I do agree that you know with uh with john i do you know it, it, i think it was you know yes john was taken down by ordinary humans just extremely well-trained ordinary humans you know he's he's not from this world okay and, and you saw that when you know uh when the dormilage first showed up and sam says uh you don't want to fight these uh you know you might prefer going up against bucky uh because Sam and Bucky know just how good of fighters they are. Uh, John doesn't know that. He goes in there with this sort of swaggering, unearned sense of competence. You know, the the typical, uh, you know, white male, you know, mediocre white male. Um, and gets his ass handed to him. Uh, and uh, as was predicted, he would get beaten up. And as a result, would end up taking a super soldier serum. I mean, that was said weeks ago by someone on this very show. Um, but uh, I, I do like it. And, and you know, they, they you know, it, I do like the fact they didn't really bring up, you know, the, the racial aspect. It wasn't that he got his ass handed to him by black women or there wasn't a guy's ass handed to him by women. It was that he got his ass handed to him. And I think, you know, much as we mock, you know, uh, my defending uh, John Walker, I will, you know, stand up for, I think there's characterization of him has been better than it needed to be. I think they could have very easily gotten away with portraying him as a simple racist or a simple, uh, you know, a uh, sexist or, or anything like that. But he's a guy who was very successful previously, has grown up expecting to be successful. He was the star quarterback. We've established that, you know, he's uh, he's been very successful in the military. It's just he's trying to fill the shoes of someone whose shoes he's not worthy to fill. And I think it's sort of getting to the question of, you know, we talk about, you know, should Bucky or, or Sam have the shield? You know, I think one reason why Sam didn't want to that is because he didn't think he could fill those boots either. And, you know, John Walker is realizing that, you know, it's not enough to wear the costume. It's not enough to have the shield. It's not even enough to have the super soldier serum. Uh, it's what's inside you that counts. And that's what he doesn't have. And he's forced to to deal with that um, uh, in this episode uh, in, you know, a, a, a really enjoyable way. Not enjoyable, enjoyable, but in a way that, you know, I think pays off, you know, the investment they've put into the character over the past couple of episodes. Everything felt real and earned in this episode, uh, whereas if it happened last episode, it would have felt artificial. But at this point, we're seeing him. And, and again, you know, just uh, I think, you know, uh, I can't remember the name of the actor who's playing him. Uh, Wyatt Russell. Yes. Um, we, we could see him throughout the episode. He was becoming more frazzled. He was losing it more. You know, he's he's someone who is used to being in control. He's used to being the guy in charge, the person that everyone defers to. No one is doing that with him. He is he's losing it. And again, that is something that we've seen played out over the past few episodes. So I think we got a, a good payoff to that in this episode. Oh, yes, absolutely. I agree with you on that uh, spectacular fight scene, spectacular choreography, props to uh, those in charge, uh, the, the stunt people that were in charge of uh, that fight sequence. It was uh, brilliant. Yes, also, professor? think about choreographing a fight scene like that. They're using these giant 
spears. I mean, this is not like a fight scene where it's just two people fist fighting. You know, the, the, the level of choreography and care that must go into something like that is, is staggering. Mm-hmm. Very true. And also, as Priscilla mentioned, you have to choreograph different fight styles. The Dora Milaje, they have their own fight style. Uh, Falcon Winter Soldier, they've got their own dynamic. John Walker as, as well. Um, and yeah, so Battlestar was also there. So yeah, so they, yeah, it was quite the visual feast of uh, sort of just different stunt choreogra- choreographies. It was uh, spectacular. Let's talk about Zemo and how he was used in this episode. Zemo uh, actually was very good in this episode. He got shit done. Uh, there was a little bit of shade thrown at Zemo with the head tilt. Um, I, if y'all saw the scene, like he did, he had his head tilted, and then once uh, uh, Sam mentioned it, he untilted it. It was fantastic. Uh, props to Daniel Brohl. Um, he's just playing Zemo fantastically. Um, but he came through uh, all with Turkish Delight. I don't know if y'all like Turkish Delight. I enjoy me some Turkish Delight. Um, so, yeah, with Turkish Delight, he was able to convince... Do you like Turkish Delight? That's I do like Turkish It's like... a garbage candy. Y'all don't like Turkish yeah. Delight? No, no. C.S. Lewis lied to us a lot in the Chronicles of Narnia, but his biggest lie was telling us that Turkish Delight was good. I enjoy yeah, some Turkish I, Delight. I, it I actually has to have... gave up his family for that. I was like, did you hate your family or something? Because Turkish Delight tastes like butt. That's funny. It de- I guess it depends on which you have. I've had like regular Turkish Delight, but I've had like the flavored ones. I think the flavored yes, ones... Yes, you can get uh, you can get butt flavored or butt with walnuts. So, <laughs> yes. I mean, those are your two choices. No, there's actually pistachios. Get it right. Um, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> yes. No, but there are, there are flavored ones. I think the flavored ones are fine. I've had like the authentic one that's just sort of clear, and that really doesn't taste like anything. Um, I do agree it was because of the Lion Witch in the Wardrobe that that I had tried Turkish Delight for some reason, based off of the world of Narnia, I always thought like it, it was like a chocolatey type of confection. And then it was like, oh, it's like a sugary confection. Anyway, we're going off topic, just talking about Turkish Delight. But it was kind of, uh, since I guess I'm the only fan of it, uh, it was nice to see it. There were different colors, so different flavors. Maybe not all of them were but flavored. But uh, he was able to convince one of the kids at a... Um, uh, dislocated peoples because they didn't like to be called refugees of uh, little of uh, settlement um, to give information on uh, where uh, Donya was being um, uh, where her funeral was going to be because they figured that that's where Carly was going to be. So Zemo actually comes through a lot in this episode. He ends up destroying what he thought at the moment was all of the super soldier serum um, he offered them tea. He suffered through almost getting uh, kid, not kidnapped, but almost being um, uh, extradited by the Dora Milaje. Uh, he escaped El Chapo style. Uh, Zemo went through a lot in this episode, and he even got props from um, from Sam because Walker was going to haul him in. I loved how he just walked in with all of the American imperialism into a foreign country, telling these two guys who he's he's not really even working with, uh, talking to them as if he's the boss, and I'm going to take him now. Uh, I love that Sam stood up to him, and he even said, Zemo's actually be coming through, and I don't know what you've done, but uh, we're going to keep him around because I don't have to listen to you. 
Let's talk about Zemo. Professor, I know you love Zemo. No, you actually love Zemo. I'm not teasing you like uh, I, I speak of your love affair with uh, John Walker. What did you think of Zemo and how he was used in this episode? Well, he was great. I mean, you know, last episode, you know, they had to rely on Zemo uh, as, you know, for the resources, for the money, as well as, you know, uh, the intelligence and sort of being the guiding light. In this episode, uh, you know, he took a bit more of a backseat, but you saw a little more of, of Zemo the schemer. Um, you know, you saw, you know, him, I don't want to mean scheming necessarily in a negative sense, but you saw just what makes him such an effective uh, you know, agent, uh, as he obviously was in the past, you know, him knowing to go to the children, how to appeal to the children, but he doesn't betray, uh, Sam and Bucky in any way. So when he goes, cause when he got the kids and, you know, he, he found out the information, he didn't keep it to himself. He shared it with them. Um, you know, he, he has his own mission, which is eradication of the super soldiers. Uh, and you know, everything he said was related to that, you know, and, and he made some interesting points about, you know, uh, the motivation of someone who would take the, uh, the, the serum to become a super soldier, uh, you know, arguing that it will always turn out bad with the exception of, uh, of Steve Rogers, but as he acknowledges, Steve Rogers was an exception, which is, you know, kind of a nice thing for him to say. Um, so I think, you know, very, very strong, you know, very effective. I did love, you know, the fight scene, you know, at the beginning of it, you know, he's just sitting there, you know, finishing his drink because, you know, however this ends, you know, either he's going to die or be taken prisoner by the Dora Milaje. So I may as well finish my drink first and then just, you know, quietly excuses himself into the bathroom and pulls an El Chapo. Um, I was actually kind of expecting him to show up towards the end. Now, it wouldn't have worked in this, but I actually thought he would, you know, just sort of pop up from, you know, uh, a, a sewer uh, or something like that to uh, to uh, uh, Bucky and Sam and go, hey, guys, did you miss me? Uh, obviously, that couldn't happen because of what did end up happening uh, towards the end of the episode. But I mean, he's he's on the wind, uh, but he's not done with super soldiers. And something that uh, that Sam said, uh, you know, what about Bucky? Because Bucky is a super soldier. And, you know, um, you know, so that's still out there. Carly is still out there. All of the remaining uh, flag smashers are still out there. So Zemo's job is still undone. And, you know, as, as Bucky said, you know, about him, uh, I think it was last episode, you know, Zemo has his own coat, you know, he's, he's, he's got his own mission and he will do whatever is necessary. And I love the fact that, you know, as soon as he saw those vials there, the first thing, it wasn't that, Oh, I'm going to take one of these for myself. You know, his, his mission is to get rid of this stuff to destroy. So the thing he immediately starts doing is smashing them. And he would have done it too if John hadn't stepped in and hit him with the shield. He would have finished his goal, which was to, to get rid of uh, the super soldiers here. So, you know, I, everything that, you know, Zemo has done, I think has been true to his character. And, uh, and consequently, I find it, you know, even if I don't agree with what he's saying or what he's doing, I find it logically consistent uh, to that character. So, God, I'm really just enjoying it. Zemo, the hero we never thought we needed. Is basically what the professor said. Yes, um, I, I do co-sign a lot of that. Zemo was fantastic. I thought he was going to show up as well, like because throughout the episode, I was hella like sketched out by him because I thought it was very strange that he t he told uh, the little girl um, whom he was uh, giving all that Turkish delight to. He was like, you know, don't tell them anything. They're bad men. And uh, I didn't. I was like, "Is he going to do something nefarious?" But then it really was just so that he could have the leverage. So he he was still needed, basically. So I liked that about him. I, I thought we were going to end up seeing him in the episode as well. You know, just like, "Hey guys, um, I'm here. I didn't escape. Um, you know, I just didn't want to. <laughs> I didn't want to get mixed up with 
any of that. Uh, but we didn't. And, uh, yeah, based off of what happened, I mean, it makes total sense. Uh, Priscilla, your thoughts on Zemo? It's really weird how this show manages to take people that we assume are bad guys and flips the script and manages to make you think, huh, are they really doing bad things? Like, they're doing bad things, but does that really make them bad guys? Because that's how I'm starting to feel with Zemo. Because Little Miss Freedom Fighter, at the like, was it last episode that she torched a place and destroyed, like, people within it? Or was it this episode? The last episode. This episode was the ramifications. Yeah, so she's killed innocent people. And right away I was like, okay, I don't. Like I, I don't jive with your with, with your storyline anymore. I don't feel like you're you're an innocent in this, but Zemo's right that that w- there there should be some how should I put the how should I phrase this? There should be some curtailing. There should be people curtailed from being super soldiers when they shouldn't be and so i was thinking about that and i was like carly really deserves to die and if he manages to kill her then is it really that bad if he if he if he does it is that really the world's loss like i don't necessarily think so and i was siding with zemo throughout most of that most of that gun altercation with her with and when when he destroyed the serum, I was like, "That's good. That means that there's less of a chance that we're gonna have bad people take the serum and be be bad guys." So I don't know. I'm signing with Zemo on this. Wow, Professor Priscilla turned into a stone cold killer with just one episode. Can you believe that slippery slope? <laughs> Well, I mean, I mean, it makes a good point. Now, that said, I don't think that it's going to be uh, Zemo that kills uh, Carly. I think it's, uh, you know, the power broker is still out there and, and wants her dead. Um, I do think she has to die uh, by the end of the series. Um, she's, you know, after, you know, blowing up the building and killing those three people and and what we'll talk about later in the episode. Um, I, I do think that, you know, she can't really come back from that. Um, then again, you know, uh, Zemo did, you know, blow up the UN and kill King T'Chaka. And apparently Priscilla has no problem with him uh, wandering around. I know days. she loves him now. Apparently. Yes. Um, I, I think a lot of it comes down to, you know, the, the, the charisma, you know, Daniel Bruhl is playing him as a charismatic character in a very sort of, you know, darkly charismatic way sort of like you know the the charisma of a snake that's staring at you um you know but as i say he's doing everything from such a consistent and and one could even argue pure uh place that you know you can understand it you know and in that sense you know he's, he's not unlike thanos you you wouldn't necessarily agree with thanos's action but you understood them the purity of it and everything he was doing was dedicated towards that goal so i think you know we can understand that and, and as such this isn't you know just someone who's you know um uh, you know, just someone who's a baddie twirling mustache. This is someone who has put a lot of thought into it and it will do what is never, whatever is necessary to achieve their goal. And I think there's something 
I don't want to say appealing, but there's something that I think you can understand about someone who has that kind of goal. And Carly has her own goal, but it's more muddied. You know, she wants to turn things the way back and, and you know, you know get the, the governments to do things. Uh, you know, I think the muddiness of what she actually wants and, and how she's going to accomplish that uh, makes her more problematic. Well, let's talk about her since y'all keep on besmirching the uh, Carly Morgenthau name. So Carly was used in an interesting way in this episode. Uh, we're not going to talk about her entire storyline because that's going to lead to some questions about another character that I want to handle as its own thing. So we're going to talk about Carly up to a certain point. So at the start of the episode, we see her going to um, it's like a cemetery and they're picking up the vials because that's where she hid the vials of uh, the super soldier serum. Uh, we, we also saw her and her flag smashers listening to the news about the, um, the bomb at the GRC storage facility and uh, the ramifications of that and how the globe uh, is reacting to that with the, with the GRC putting in some new, um, some new um, like legal ramifications for that as well as uh, the fact that uh, the Flag Smashers uh, continue to add support from the people. We, uh, we also got a little bit of her ideology about how she sees the world. Um, also through other conversations, we sort of gained uh, a little bit more intel that we didn't have about how all these people connected. Um, they connected uh, uh, via, um, a, uh, I guess, a GRC, um, uh, sort of like a, a GRC type of a, a refugee type of thing after they were kicked out of their homes because the uh, original owners, the ones that were uh, blipped away, came back. Uh, they were all, I guess, in the same compound or in the same room, and that's how they all, uh, all the Flag Smashers, ended up um, joining forces and uh, creating this sort of idea of uh, the world with no borders going back to how things were during the blip. Um, or during the, um, yeah, during the blip. Um, let's see, what else was important information here? We get a little bit of intel about her opinions on Captain America. And she basically says the same thing Sam said at the, at the end of the previous episode. That the shield should be destroyed. That, um, you know, Captain America, um, you know, doesn't represent us. You know, there's no one out there that looks like us fighting for us. Uh, it's an it's a theme that was echoed later on in another conversation, um, and so after after like getting a little bit of like background and intel on Carly and her ideology, we see her at the funeral for Mama Danya. Uh, we learn a little bit more about her, how she was a pillar of the community and basically someone that helped everybody in the community. And she sees that Sam is there. Sam is uh, going to talk to her. She, he sets a, he uh, basically tells Walker that he wants to talk to her, bring her down. Uh, he feels like he can get to her. And Walker is um, apprehensive about it and also impatient about it. But he does talk to her. And uh, this was, for me, I don't know if y'all agree with this, but I felt like this episode, and in particular during these moments, I felt like this is when... Sam turned from the Falcon 
into Captain America without really him realizing that he has become Captain America. Because it was a very Captain America type of conversation and move. And uh, I just felt like this was the episode where Sam became Cap, even though he doesn't know this. Um, so we're going to stop right here. And, well, I, sh- I should mention, uh, Walker gets impatient and he, he barges in. She escapes. She ends up getting shot by um, Zemo, but she ends up escaping. So this is where I want to stop with Carly because uh, the whole it's going to be a whole other conversation with everything else that happens. So let's talk about Carly in general in the first half of the episode, the little bits of information that we got about her and uh, her methodology, her ideology, why she decided to become or to start the Flash Flag Smashers, as well as her conversation with Sam because there is a connection there. And Sam does bring up a lot of the stuff that Zemo referenced about how he felt, uh, Zemo felt that super soldiers are, um, you know, are supremacists. And uh, he does get her to sort of say supremacist-like stuff. And uh, and she's like, no, I don't mean it that way. But, you know, she does say some stuff. Um, there was a moment there. And unfortunately, Walker ruins it. But there was a moment. And I wonder... In a different universe where Walker did not interrupt, I wonder if Sam would have gotten through to Carly. Priscilla, your thoughts on Carly and um, just everything that we got about Carly in the first half of the episode up to the point to where she's having this conversation with Sam. What you think of that conversation as well? My thoughts on Carly, like, again, I... As soon, as soon as that happened from the last episode, I was like, I, d- I don't jive with you. But... When she had that conversation with her ally in the graveyard, I was like, huh, that's why you're so anti-against, like, Captain America, and that's why you're so anti-against, like, the the world in general. You feel like the world in general has just crushed the little people, the people that you're trying to represent at this time, and they've forgotten what it was like back in the past with when all of you were used to work together that's why you're against the global repatriation council like that's why you want change like it made me understand her more and get where she's coming from even though i don't agree with what she's with what she with with her ideals i can see why she believes what she believes in and in a sense like i i feel like as a a show that that strengthens the show to make me understand each of the characters a lot more but um oh the when when john walker interrupted that bugged the shit out of me because i for yes I totally agree with you. Had he not interrupted, they would have broken through. They would have they would have understood each other and an agreement could have been made. Something could have been done where the flag smashers and the global repatriation council could have worked together or something. Maybe she could have worked with the global repatriation council to apportion the supplies properly. Cause she knows where they're supposed to go, and where they should be going. I don't know. Some, something akin to that nature. Like it's heartbreaking that it didn't happen the way it did just because somebody 
got hot-headed. Professor, your take on Carly, uh, and in particular her conversation with Sam, and uh, I, I sort of just made uh, my own opinion uh, as I was leading into this question about Sam and feeling like Sam became Cap in this episode. Do you agree with that? No, I don't, because uh, this is the Sam that we've known since Civil War, or, or since uh, you know uh, Winter Soldier. Uh, this is Sam, who Sam has always been. He hasn't changed to become Captain America. This is who Sam always was. So I didn't see that any sort of you know change uh, that would you know uh, that would involve him you know wanting to become Captain America or or changing in his personality in any way that that would indicate you know some sort of you know massive switch. Uh, in him. So I, I didn't see any change. I think, you know, he's been consistent. This is who his character has been, including, you know, the, the slight needling of, of Carly, even as he's established a relationship with her. You know, it, it puts you in mind of, you know, him when he's first talking to Steve, you know, how he's easy, how is that easy rapport, you know, how he's able to make connections with people and, and talk to them and, and talk them down. Uh, I disagree. I don't think that if John Walker hadn't barged in that, you know, uh, he and uh, and Carly would have, you know, sat around singing Kumbaya or anything like that. I think Carly's too far gone after what happened last episode. Um, so, well, you know, John barging in didn't help things. Um, I think she was pretty far gone. Uh, I do like the fact they spent a little more time in this episode sort of explaining the, the nuts and bolts of her motivation. Uh, you know, we sort of had the idea before that, you know, their, their resentment towards the GRC, that they were displaced by the blip. Um, in this one, we got like a, a pretty good, you know, dollars and cents economic explanation, which is that after the blip, countries welcomed people like Carly and uh, her United Colors of Benetton uh, terrorist friends uh, in where they wouldn't have been before. Carly even had the line that, you know, uh, you know, prior to that, you know, uh, depending on where I grew up, we might have hated each other. Uh, So these are people who, you know, clearly don't see skin color or anything like that. They are, you know, uh, they're brought together by a shared experience and and a shared set of goals. Uh, And they're sort of explaining that, well, after all those people flip back, we sort of had a little hint of that in uh, in spider-man far from home which is you know trying to raise money for the people who's who blipped back and and you know uh you know the 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 stuff that uh uh that came out of that so i thought we got a pretty good explanation of where they're coming from the problem is you can't do what carly and her group are doing which is approach that with violence and again up until what happened at the end of the last episode if all you're doing are is stealing food that's sitting in a uh, uh a depot not being used anywhere Okay, I can kind of get on board with that. Um, if if you're delivering vaccines to a, a camp for displaced people and saving lives like that, okay, I can kind of get on board with that. But uh, I agree with Priscilla at the end of the last episode when she did set off the bomb and killed those people. That sort of pushed her over the edge, and I think we just see more of that in this episode. I think even in in the conversation where she was, you know, talking with a friend who had been a fan of Captain America when he was younger, uh, you know, the the hatred she has for the the shield as a symbol. You know, what is it a symbol of? It, you know, is it a symbol of the world order because it seems like she's trying to take down the entire world order. So it seems to me that she sort of just has this sort of, you know unfocused anger um which you know is partially focused at uh, grc but also focused towards anyone who disagrees with her and i think again that makes her dangerous and i think you know uh the uh the actress playing her did a nice subtle job of that you know playing her you know jo- not just one note but we'll talk about what happens to her after the conversation uh with sam in a minute which was uh you know an interesting uh, uh turn for her um but i think it gets back to what uh 
what Zemo was saying earlier, that anyone who takes this is essentially going to be a supremacist. She rejects that. She rejects it when uh, Sam says it to her, but then she immediately says that, you know, anyone who disagrees with her is a roadblock in my way. And, you know, she immediately realized what she said and tries to take it back, but that was what she jumped to. And I think, you know, it, it's showing that, you know, she is, uh, I don't want to say unstable necessarily, but I think anyone who, who takes a super soldier serum, uh, as uh, Zemo said, you know, uh, unless you're Steve Rogers, it's going to have negative consequences. It's, it's kind of interesting. We haven't really seen it as much from the other Flag Smashers. They spent so much time focusing on Carly that all of the other ones, uh, certainly, you know, the, uh, the the one that we spent the most time with uh, in this episode have seemed pretty cool. You know, the one who sacrificed himself uh, to save the team before. We haven't heard a lot. We got a little bit, I guess, from the one uh, guy, you know, talking about we're stronger than them. You know, we can fight them. But, you know, we haven't really gotten that that payoff that all of the other super soldiers uh, are turning as well. They've all been presented as, as a pretty nice bunch. So it, it's kind of interesting. I think their their choice to focus on Carly gives us a good viewpoint character, but maybe we're, we're basing too much on her personal uh, reaction to this rather than, you know, what the other team members are doing. Well, it seems like what they're doing with the other team members is just they're all falling in line. Like, they all believe in the cause, and, and I think that's how they're treating the other Flag Smashers. It would have been nice to have seen a little bit more of them. Um, had this been, you know, like a normal uh, limited series instead of six episodes, you know, maybe had it been a longer season, we could have gotten a, sort of like the better sense of like where everyone is. You know, when you have more time, you can devote time to some of the smaller characters. But since we only have six episodes, Carly is kind of like the poster child of uh, the Flag Smasher, so that's why we're only really seeing her and everyone else, although we're getting to know a little bit of them, but it's more so the conversations are, are being had so that we can get to know Carly's ideology a little bit more. Yeah, and I felt like, you know, at the end of the last episode, you know, when the bomb went off and the guy she was in the car with was so, you know, then we'd seen, you know, them interacting earlier in that episode, you know, talking about, you know, what will it be like after this? Maybe you can go back to being a teacher. I do wonder whether Carly, you know, uh, whether her end goal is she doesn't plan on surviving this. Uh, You know, maybe she's seeing herself as someone who is going to sacrifice herself for her goals to, to become a symbol, to become a martyr rather than anything else because you know i think there was a hint of that before um so yeah i do wonder whether you know because i mentioned the idea that i don't think i don't think carly can come out of this series um alive you know will it be someone else takes her down or will it be that she allows herself to die to serve some larger goal an interesting idea Mm-hmm. very true very true all right so moving right along Let's get to the the final action sequence of the episode. So leading up to it, we get uh, we see you know some interesting stuff on the screen. So Zemo destroys all of the super soldier serums except for one, but he doesn't know that because he gets knocked out by Cap's shield, and Walker sees one. Um, vial of super soldier serum and he pockets it. It's funny because um, we've talked about 
Walker and the Super Soldier Serum for a moment. Uh, we had discussed, uh, I, I think maybe it was even the first or the second episode, the storyline from the comics where he goes to the Power Broker and uh, he becomes a super soldier. He gets a serum and, you know, he gets injected and all that kind of stuff. And uh, something that, I, that we didn't discuss in the previous podcast, Professor, that I thought about a lot in the episodes, in the, not the episodes, in the days leading up to this episode, I was like, so the power broker doesn't have the vials, so they can't do the storyline from the comics where the power broker gives uh, Walker the serum because the doctor's dead that created the serum. The power broker has no um, vials of the serum. Uh, the Flag Smashers have it. I was like, how are they going to do that? And in this episode, we got the answer. Uh, throughout the entire episode, I was wondering, what's A, how is Walker going to get one of the vials, and B, what's going to push him over the edge? And so he got he has one of the vials now. He ha we have an interesting conversation between him and Battlestar. It mirrors another conversation uh, being held elsewhere in Riga, where Zemo talks to Sam about the super soldier serum, and Sam immediately is like, nope, I wouldn't have taken it. And that's where we get into sort of the psychology of the super soldier serum, of how it uh, basically magnifies a person's persona. So if you are an inherently good person, you will be, you still be inherently good, a la Steve Rogers. And if you, um, you know, have any sort of defects, any power hungriness or anything like that, it, it will manifest with the super soldier serum. Um, Walker and Battlestar have the same convo. Uh, Battlestar proving that he is not the real Falcon ends up saying he would have taken the super soldier serum. We get a little bit of intel as to their time in the military together and how Walker doesn't feel like all these accolades that he has um, are based off of anything that he really did. Um, and they both sort of uh, lament, um, you know, a, a day in Afghanistan where uh, they could, you know, they wish that they would have had the super soldier serum. Will we learn any more of that? I don't know. Could there potentially be a flashback at the start of the next episode about them in Afghanistan? Maybe. I guess we'll have to stay tuned when it comes to that. Um, but based off of that conversation, it was clear, clear as day, that Walker was deciding to use the serum that he swiped. Carly ends up calling Sarah. And uh, threatens her and her kids. Um, uh, she also wanted to get a little bit more intel on Sam because he had referenced Sarah. And is basically like, provide these coordinates to Sam. Tell him to show up alone. Sam gets the information. Um, he tells uh, Sarah to pay cash and find someplace else to lay low, basically. And uh, Bucky's like, I'm going. So they go. There's uh, they realize um, because uh, shout out to Sharon Carter, she's keeping intel because Sam asks her for a favor that uh, the Smashers are going after Walker. Carly had mentioned uh, before this that uh, they got to kill Captain America, and so there's a big fight. Battlestar ends up dying which pushes uh, Walker over the edge. He had already taken the serum, and he goes after one of the Flag Smashers and uh, uses the cap shield to um, uh, behead him. 
I'm, I'm assuming that's what it was. I mean, we didn't really see as much because you have to remember this Disney Plus, but it was still hella gory for a Disney Plus series. Um, I have not seen The Mandalorian, so I don't know how gory they get, but I would say this is probably one of the goriest things that, that we've seen um, on Disney Plus, period, and maybe even in, in the MCU proper. All right, let's talk about this. It, it is the final sequence of the episode. It shows us, one, that Carly has been... I don't want to say she was pushed over the edge. I think she leapt over the edge willingly. Um, Walker leaps over the edge as well, um, and he does a superhero landing. He does that willingly as well. Uh, Professor, you and I talked about this. Uh, we wondered what would... Well, I, I referenced that Walker needed to be pushed to do something so that the shield would be stripped from him. And you referenced, uh, you said that Battlestar might be one of the reasons, Battlestar dying might be one of the reasons that sort of pushes uh, Walker to uh, use the serum. Now, he uses the serum before uh, Battlestar dies, but Battlestar still dies, so I'll give you credit for, for um, theorizing that. Professor... Your take on both Carly and Walker heading down a bumpy path to villainy. Yeah, it, it's really interesting. I mean, we weren't surprised by Walker, A, because, you know, he, he's been portrayed as a little a bit of a dick. And as I said, over the course of this episode, we've seen him increasingly being frustrated, increasingly feeling he's not up to the job he's facing. Uh, as this symbol, as Captain America. So, you know, pushing him to that and then having him, you know, get his ass handed to him by the door of Melange, uh, you know, and, you know, as he said, you know, they weren't even super soldiers. You know, how can I do this job, you know, without the powers? And it's, it's kind of interesting getting back to something that I believe you were saying is that, you know, you were saying that Sam had to take the super soldier serum in order to become Captain America. And I disagreed. And I think we can all agree now who was right about that. <clears throat> oh, yes. Um, I, but, I, but I like that they narratively brought it up. And uh, Sam yes. actually gave the right reason. Yeah, and and Sam said, you know, flat out, and and also again, Zemo giving the props, you know, and and for answering so quickly because you know, um, you know, and and again, from Sam's point of view, you know, Sam, you know, he's a good-looking guy. He's you know got a nice extended family. He's a superhero. Uh, you know, why would you want to go, you know, taking this serum, you know, to make yourself even better? He's pretty good as he is. Um, but uh, uh, Carly, on the other hand, you know, uh, and again, you know, as bad as it was blowing up that building, um, her calling and threatening Sarah and the kids, you know, even if she was hilarious, say, well, I wasn't going to do that. You know, <clears throat> the way she was able to be so chilling uh, when she did it and, and drop those, you know, references to where the family was and everything like that really felt again, you know, we, we've been seeing that from the end of last episode, that she is taking more of that heel turn darker and darker, which, of course, pays off when she's the one who kills Lamar. You know, flat out just hits him in the chest, sends him flying and kills him. Didn't even stab him or anything like that. You know, it was, you know, bam, uh, you know, taking him out and, and just wham, killing him. Um, and, and again, if you're looking for things that you can't come back from and also realizing, you know, because she did that, she's the one who pushed, you know, John Walker over the edge and, and led to uh, the death of her compatriot, who is the one who used to respect Captain America. Irony of ironies. Um, so in her case, yeah, it's, uh, you know, again, in terms of consequences, it's interesting to look at, you know, if you think about her from a few episodes ago when, you know, um, they had to leave one of their uh, team behind to fight off the power brokers men. You know, and her sort of, you know, uh, the the sorrow, you know, that she felt, 
I think she's she's turning colder. She's turning harder. She's turning more dangerous uh, with everything that's happened. Uh, now, she's going to be honest about it. She has to realize that this is, you know, kind of her fault. Um, you know, she's the one who accidentally got the super soldier serum to uh, to uh, cap. Uh, she's the one who pushed him over the edge. So all of this is kind of on her. But I don't think Carly's going to see it that way. I think she's she's just going to be that much more dangerous going forward. Uh, and as we said, you know, um, you know, uh, up until this episode, you know, there was there was no public reason for John Walker to be stripped of the shield. He has to Someone has to take that shield away from him. Now, who's going to do that and in what context? I don't know. Um, it's kind of interesting. I'm sure there will be people who will say that, hey, the Flag Smashers are terrorists. They blew up that building. They killed those people. He was just taken out of terrorist. I'm sure there will be a certain portion of the uh, the populace that says, hey, it, it's, it's okay what he did. Um, and after all, you know, Captain America during uh, World War II was shooting people. Um, so it's interesting, but yeah, I think the public nature of it, one thing that I, I like that they've done looking back on it is they've often had, you know, uh, people with their cell phones and stuff like that filming stuff, you know, in the background as these scenes were happening, sort of establishing the idea that, you know, the, the public nature of the world in which we live these days and the fact that something like this that happens, you know, the title of the episode was The World is Watching or The Whole World is Watching, one of the two. Um, but uh, I think that, yeah, that does put him in that interesting situation, you know, um, you know, because, you know, who exactly is he working for? You know, he got the shield from the government, but he's working for the GRC. Um, so I'm not entirely sure who would go about taking it from him or or how they would do that. It's, it's really kind of curious. And, you know, I, I think we're building up to um, I suspect, you know, episode five might be the biggie episode for this series. And episode six might be more followed in epilogue. Um uh, just because this is something that, you know, has to be dealt with pretty quickly. Um, you know, you can't leave him out there unless he becomes, you know, a free agent running around with the shield. Um, and, you know, obviously, you know, uh, no one wants that, you know, least of all Bucky and uh, uh, and Sam. So I think it's going to be really interesting to see how that uh, how that plays out. But then there's there's all those other things. You know, we've got, uh, you know, the power broker out there. We've got the Isaiah storyline. Uh, we've got a lot of stuff. And that's why I'm thinking, you know, maybe deal with that. And then, you know make episode six about dealing with consequences and fallout. And then Sam finally taking up the shield or something along those lines. I don't know, but uh, yeah, I, I think this has to be dealt with pretty quickly. Yes. I do have questions uh, momentarily about what we think will be covered uh, with these final two episodes, because I do feel like these final two episodes are the final act uh, well, I mean, I can't say I feel like it. I mean, it is the final act of uh, this six-episode series. Uh, so before we get into that, though, Priscilla, your take on everything that happened at the end, uh, off with his head. Holy shit. I was just like... <laughs> that is the right answer. I don't know. Like, I, I'm just, I was just amazed that, that they took it that far in a Disney Plus show. Like, I thought I was just going to hear a sickening crack, and that was it. Like, just the noise. But the blood on the shield, man, that's such, like, a comic book image. You know what I mean? Like, just, like, that still shot of just violence that is that 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 happened. It just... Wow, it 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 knocked my socks off. It was 
like this is what Captain America has turned into. It turned he he turned someone who used to be a Captain America fan, who used to want to have his friend espouse the ideals of Captain America, and he killed him. He in plain view of people around him when he was begging for mercy. So, like, Although, let's be real, he didn't know he was a Cap fan. Maybe he, if he would have asked for an autograph like the ladies, uh, you know, he might have not beheaded him. It's true, but still, like, as an audience member, like, you know that this Yeah, yeah, yeah. Guy, no, that is fine. I'm just teasing. This guy different from the regular Flag Smashers. Like, he actually had a personality, and the personality was that wasn't that wasn't as bad as you'd think it was. He actually had a pretty good personality, and that's probably why he was asking for mercy. He probably would have helped or done something differently, or cooperated with the GRC. But no, to to end his life like that—that's just brutal. My God. I don't know. I don't know how you come back from that. And I think that the predictions that Professor X made are completely and totally accurate. Like we're gonna have the the next episode go with a with a working to solve how to figure out with what happened in terms of this. In terms of, in terms of the Carly, and in terms of um, the what what is his new name now that he's not Captain America? Because he's certainly not Captain America anymore. Well, in the comics, I believe he takes the name U.S. Agent. Am I correct, Professor? Yeah. Okay. Yes. I think he's going to I think it's going to be like learning what what happens to US agent and learning what happens to Carly and in the next episode after that it's learning what happens in the aftermath of everything else of it's going to be him taking on the mantle of Captain America and maybe bringing Sharon Carter back into the fold. Yes. Although the professor had his own little theories about Sharon Carter in um, the previous episode. Uh, yeah. One little thing mm-hmm. while we're mentioning Sharon Carter. First off, I just want to say I don't think he decapitated him. Uh, again, this is a Disney Plus show. I think, you know, if he decapitated him, it would have been one shot. As it was, he was hitting him multiple times. So I think he was plunging the shield into his chest, which is no less gory. But I don't think it was a decapitation on a Disney Plus show. Oh, okay. Um, this is an HBO. Regarding then. Sharon, I, I think involving Sharon, unless, you know, to remind us that she's out there. Why didn't Sam call Torres? Torres should have been the person who is doing that tracking to suggest that uh, Sharon has access to satellites is just playing into what I was saying last time, that she is a government operative. There's, there's no way that if she's a freelancer, she would have access to a satellite that could track John Walker. And by the way, that's who she was tracking. So, you know, the only way that makes sense is if it's a U.S. government satellite. Okay. The professor has a theory that, uh, that Sharon, uh, based off of everything from the previous episode, that everything that Sharon was saying was kind of like a ruse, and uh, Sharon uh, is either working for some sort of government uh, organization, a S.H.I.E.L.D.-like organization, um, 
and uh, yeah, uh, that basically she has set up whatever she's doing in Mandrapur, and and that was all sort of like a cover for whatever she's doing with this uh, organization. Like maybe she was deep cover in Mandrapur uh, researching something, and then that's when the guy sort of stumbled into where she, you know, in the middle of whatever she was doing, her sting or something. Ooh, I like that. Yes. My hope is that it's actually S.H.I.E.L.D., because I mentioned this in the previous podcast when the professor gave his uh, brilliant theory. I mean, it would just be kind of genius that, uh, you know, S.H.I.E.L.D. has been uh, nothing for the past few years. It was all hydrified, and then it turned into nothing, and so there hasn't really been a S.H.I.E.L.D. presence in the MCU. Yes, there was Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but it doesn't count, unfortunately. Uh, but so yeah, so Shield hasn't existed in the MCU proper, and so Sharon Carter being the one to bring back her aunt's uh, organization, I think would be kind of brilliant. So um, hopefully that is the case. There was this whole theory, Priscilla. I I, I hope you clean your ears after this because it was it was something where people were thinking that she's the power broker, but we sort of uh, ripped that theory to thread to threads in the previous uh, podcast. Um, but speaking of Sharon, she was fantastic in the episode. Uh, the little bits that we got of her uh, were awesome. I, I do agree, Professor, that what we saw of her does add to that theory. So I'm hyped for that. Uh, so th- we do have big questions because we're heading into the final act of the series. There are two episodes left. The next episode is supposed to be the longest episode that we've seen thus far. I believe it's supposed to be 61 minutes, so minus the commercial, not commercials, but minus the um, the end credits. It, it should be, I guess, like 52, 3, 4 minutes. Uh, I think the, com- the uh, why am I calling them commercials? I think the end credits are like about 7 minutes. So um, it, it should be in 50s uh, as far as actual content that we're going to see which is going to be nice. Um, props to whomever does the end credits, uh, because at the end of this episode, after that horrific final moment of uh, Cap, uh, maybe not decapitating, but or whatever he was doing, um, he clearly killed somebody. After the Cap uh, murdering someone, uh, the music was incredibly somber. Like, it was the actual theme that we get at the end, but it was much more subdued. Um, and, and so it was, I guess, to let what we saw sort of sink in a little bit. I thought that was a great um, musical choice. Okay, so the big questions. And this is the, the first one that I want to ask is something that I don't know if we will get the answer to in this in the series. Are we going to find out who the power broker is? Do we need to find out who the power broker is in this episode? Not in this episode, in this, um, in this season of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. We got a little reference to the power broker in this episode. The power broker loves to send text messages, and it was a very threatening one to Carly, basically saying, uh, little girl, you're playing with the big boys now. Um, if you don't give me back the, the serum, there's going to be trouble. She doesn't have the serum there will probably be trouble. But my question is, do we need to know who the power broker is before this series ends, uh, this first season? If I don't know if there's going to be more, but do we need to know this? The reason I'm asking this is because over on, uh, on the other side of the MCU, in Ant-Man and the Wasp, um, I forget the name of the, the bad guy in that, uh, in, that, in that film, but he was working for 
I believe they called the person the benefactor, and we never found out who that person was in Ant-Man and the Wasp. I was assuming because we would end up maybe learning more in the next Ant-Man film, potentially. But it was the person that was like really wanting a Pym's lab and that sort of thing. Uh, so, mirroring that, do we need to know who the power broker is in these next two episodes? Question mark. I'll open it up to no, the floor. I think it's I think it's better leaving it open, quite frankly, as something to, to build on later, unless the reveal is that it is Sharon or it is Zemo, unless it's someone that we know, uh, then I say keep it, you know, obscure and then you can revisit that. Uh, you know, and, and, you know, you haven't, you know, uh, blown that shot uh, on this one. You know, you can, you know, you can revisit this character when the mutants come back or next time you need to go to Madripoor. Uh, and then, you know, it's, it's, it's a piece that you can play with later. So unless there's a really good reason for it, uh, I don't think you need it. And I think, you know, a far more likely use of the, uh, we were talking about, you know, uh, if you have to get rid of Carly, if she doesn't sacrifice herself, well, all you need, we know she's not bulletproof. All you need is, you know, one sniper. You know, you reach the end of it and it's like, you're right, I, I made a mistake. Uh, you know, we can all live together and sing Kumbaya. Bam! One shot to the head from the power broker and she's off the board. All right. Completely yeah. agree. Okay. I, feel, I feel like the power broker is like a bigger enough character that they would save it for like a movie or for like a second season where they have to fight like a bigger baddie. Mm-hmm. Okay. I can dig that. So clearly by the end of this series, uh, the whole super soldier thing will be dealt with. I feel like we we all agree that at the end of this, probably all the super soldiers are going to be dead uh, because we have to deal with that. Um, We're also going to have to deal with John. When you say all the super soldiers, are you including Bucky? No, not Bucky, because I don't really consider I don't. He's not a flag smasher. So all the flag smashers needs need to be Uh, dead. Okay by the end of this uh, season. Uh, Clearly, we're going to have to do something with John Walker. He's been pushed over the edge. Uh, There is now video evidence of what he did. A man held his hands up like, you know, stop, don't shoot. And he shot with the damn, uh, um, with the the shield. We're going to have to see him get stripped of the shield. Clearly, if Sam is going to become Captain America by the end of this series. Um, uh, So the professor seemed to think that we're going to see that in the next episode. Um, I do like that idea of like the next episode being the major conflict and then getting, you know, an epilogue at the end uh, with the final episode that does make the most sense especially if we are sort of reshuffling the deck of the mcu with sam finally accepting being captain america i mean i think they kind of have to deal with the walker situation first before we get into that um so the next episode might be the one where we see that it's going to be interesting to see because now the government or the grc they're going to have to um ask for the shield back from a super soldier. So it's it'll be interesting to see how that happens and what happens to Walker afterwards. Do we think Walker has to die or do we think Walker will still be around potentially as uh, a a um, what's the name of the the thing that in the comics that Zemo's a part of the Thunderbolts? Thunderbolts. Right? Yeah, could is is Walker still going to be out there? Or do we think he has to be completely neutralized? 
I think he's gonna be neutralized. Oh, you think he's gonna die? No. Okay. Well, neutralizing the threat would be killing him. Um, Well, no. I think I think he's gonna be put in jail, but I don't think he's gonna be like killed. Yeah, I agree with Priscilla. I think they've spent a lot of time developing the character, and if they are going the Thunderbolts route, then having him in prison, uh, you know, means that, you know, he's, again, a storytelling resource they can uh, 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 use later on. Uh, What's kind of interesting from that point of view is, you know, Zemo is still out there, and, you know, Zemo, of course, wants all the super soldiers dead. So, uh, you know, if he is, uh, you know, put in prison, then, you know, Zemo is going to presumably be coming after him. Uh, in some way. So, yeah, I think he'll be neutralized. Uh, I don't even know if he'll go to jail necessarily, because think about it. We're assuming that just because you have video of him committing this horrific act, there's going to be plenty of people who will say, hey, he did the right thing. Uh, and all you, you know, libtards need to uh, stop being snowflakes and, and accept that uh, this is the sort of thing that we need to do. America, yeah. Um, Thank you, Tucker Carlson. So Carlson. I, I don't think it's going to be as easy as just everyone going, oh, this is a terrible thing. You've got to give up the shield. I think, uh, yeah, it's going to be a lot more nuanced than that. Okay. Interesting. We'll wait and see. I think this will definitely that. lead Sam and Bucky to go, this guy doesn't deserve a shield anymore. But I don't know that, you know. Uh, necessarily the the government or the GRC is going to fall in line with that. Okay, interesting. We will have to wait and see. What about Zemo? Where do we think that character is headed in these final two episodes? Do we think he's going to be in jail again at the end of the two episodes, or do you think he's going to sort of elude the authorities and uh, he will be... Um, see, I don't know what to call him anymore after the series. Like, Is he a looming threat, or is, will he just be... You know, a uh, a chaos agent out in the wind. I think it's more fun if he eludes the authorities, but come on, the authorities are the Wakandans. <laughs> well, that too. Are you really going to elude the authorities? No. <laughs> yeah, I think he has to be, I think he has to be uh, arrested again just to keep him away from the Wakandans. I think it would be great, obviously, to have Zemo on the wind. He's a fun character. He's delightful. But the Wakandans would find him and kill him like that. Um, so I think for his own safety and for Daniel Brule's future in the MCU, like, uh, John Walker, he has to be locked up somewhere so that we can use him later, uh, which is a shame. Now that said, I, I want to go with one of my, uh, uh, my, my crazy out of left field, fearless predictions, um, at the end, uh, somewhere towards the end of uh, episode six, Sam is going to find out that someone transferred a large sum of money to his bank account. Who, who could have that kind of money? Oh, interesting. I think Zemo has, is is developing a respect for Sam and uh and you know, cuz otherwise, you know, you you I don't see, you know, I think you have to have some resolution to that for Sam. And uh the financial and I think, problem you know, storyline would would do that. Yeah, there there we were introduced to, you know, a financial struggle storyline with Sam with his sister. That does make sense. Uh either it's either going to be him or it could be Sharon Carter with her mysterious organization that she's involved in. But I think Zemo would make the most sense based off of what you said, Professor, the respect that he's kind of uh, getting for Sam throughout this series. And I guess the final question that I have is like, what's to come? Uh, Because we are headed into the final stretch. Uh, Sam and Bucky, 
So we do have the situation with Sam's finances. The professor already gave us an answer as to what's going to happen with, with that. But I feel like we all agree that by the end of the series, it might not be the next episode, but before the series ends, Sam is going to come to terms with him being the new Cap, and he will be the next Captain America. He will be the official Captain America by the end of the season. We also have Bucky dealing with his past as the Winter Soldier. Will he have a conversation with Yuri before the series ends? Um, Yeah, those are the two questions. Like, Where do we think Sam and Bucky are headed in this final act? Uh, I agree with you that that Sam should take up the shield, but I as crazy and as unlikely as this seems, I still think Steve has to come back. And, uh, you know, old Steve has to be the one to say, look, you have to take this shield and here's why. Um, similarly, we're talking about, you know, uh, you know, John Walker having the shield who's going to take it away from him. Again, Steve Rogers could be the one who says, look, you can't carry the shield. You don't deserve it. Um, and, you know, have that, you know, be something. I Now, if they do bring him back, then I think you have to introduce him to Isaiah as well. Um, because, uh, you know, that's that's something that, you know, uh, that's, and again, that's a plot thread that we were sort of assuming that this would be something that would, that would play a larger role. Um, maybe not. Uh, there's only two episodes left. Uh, again, unless there's an epilogue, like we were hoping when they introduced Isaiah, maybe we get a flashback showing, you know, uh, him acting as Captain America, you know, during the, uh, the Korean War. Um, it's seeming less likely that we're going to get that. Um, maybe this was just, you know, introducing a character, you know, a little, you know, setting up for something that will come on down the line, whether it's Young Avengers or what, I don't know. But as far as Sam goes, I think you need someone of a level of, of a Steve Rogers. Uh, to uh, to step in and say, hey, look, you have to take the shield, and here's why. It means something, um, you know, and that uh, that it has to be a good man who's carrying it. And everything we've seen about Sam is that Sam is a good man. Um, you know, the fact that he rejected the idea of taking the super soldier serum, the fact that he was willing to talk down Carly. Um, uh, you know, uh, Sam is a good man, and, and I think he needs to have that told to him by someone that he respects and trusts at that level. And as far as we know, Steve is still alive. You know, we, we know he came back after Endgame, uh, you know, uh, and it's only been, what, six months since the events of Endgame. Um, so I think it, it's it's entirely possible that he is still out there somewhere and, and could do that. Um, as for Bucky, yeah, I think he has to. We have to get some payoff of that. He has to uh, apologize and atone for what he's done. And, boy, that's just, just going to be a gut wrench. Uh, as, as good as we'll be feeling about Sam taking up the shield, I think that's going to be you know terrible for Bucky. Priscilla, do you co-sign all of that? Yeah, I co-sign all of that. I, I completely agree. I think he's going to I think he's going to go to make his amends. But I don't think it's going to be terrible. I think I, I think he's going to forgive him. I I think I think it's oh, going to be that w- a good. Yeah, that a, would be even more emotional if he forgives him. A good sort of circle. Yeah. To end on. And I think that for the Captain America, if Captain America comes back, if our old Cap comes back to to counsel um, Falcon and say, look, this, the shield matters, and right now people need hope, and you need to be the, per- the person that people can rely on at this time, that'd be great. I'm not sure, based on, like, 
all of the guest stars that we've had that that we can have someone like of that magnitude come back but hey if we can have him that'd be great so i'm hoping for that yeah i think more than likely just as spectacular as it would be to have chris evans back i think more than likely roadie is going to have to be that conduit yeah, I was just thinking that, yeah. you know, introducing, reintroducing him in that first episode. Uh, and again, the idea of, you know, if if you're having to bring someone in to take the shield away from John Walker after he's gone rogue, um, that would make more sense. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Rhodey tried to make that point to him earlier and it didn't work. Maybe with what Sam's gone through, he'll be willing to listen to it now. But um, uh, I think, you know, Rhodey would be a good one to introduce, especially if there, there is that. On the other hand. You know, if you're bringing in, you know, Rhodey, especially if he's in the the War Machine armor, then you're sort of taking away from Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And, you know, again, we've only got two episodes left and it's supposed to be their show. Yeah, I don't know. Well, I don't know if he necessarily needs the armor, but I think a conversation might be had um, before the series ends. Uh, we do hope for a second season just because there are a lot of dangling threads. The Isaiah storyline could be incorporated into another season. Um, I don't know if you can get over your past trauma in one season for Bucky, but uh, yeah, that could be a dangling thread that they could continue on into a second season. And uh, to be honest, I feel like we need to see uh, like the early stages of uh, Falcon as Cap and dealing with a lot of the issues that uh, he will be dealing with as Captain America. So that would be kind of nice to see in a second season as well. Uh, I mean, I think they would have to completely... We can't have a second season. Hmm? We can't have a second season. Oh, explain. Because you've said... Falcon's going to become Captain America. Well, yeah, no, that's what I was about to say. Bucky We're going to have to rebrand it. It's going to have to be Captain America and someone else. No, it that's... It can't be uh, yeah. Falcon the Winter Soldier. That's what I was saying. They would have to rebrand the series and call it Captain America, Falcon, and the Winter Soldier. Because I feel like Torres is going to be Falcon. I Again, Torres has been out of the mix for... And we've, we saw him in episode two. You know, uh, I think he might have gotten a phone call. But, you know, Sharon is sort of doing all the Torres stuff. Now. So I I think Torres might have been, you know, a bit of a uh, a red herring uh, Maybe. for that. And also, Maybe. you know, because, you know, uh, Sam doesn't have super, superpowers, let him keep the wings. He can use the wings and the shield together. True. That is true. Yeah, I do hope that they do something with Torres. Um, if there is a second season, maybe it'll just be called Captain America and the Winter Soldier. And if they have a third season, then they'll call it Captain America, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Um, there is, I will say this. Because it's been making the rounds. It's on the internet. I don't think this is the whole situation of it's Paul Bettany acting against Paul Bettany. (laughs) So I don't think it's that type of situation. But we are going to see a character in this next episode. Episode number five. uh, That is supposed to be a surprise. And it's not a character that we've ever seen before in the MCU proper. Um, so the, the producers, they haven't been hyping it, but they've just said that there is a fun addition in this upcoming episode. Some people think that it might be Jennifer Walters' debut. Uh, we know that Tatiana Mas, what is it, Mas, Maslani? Maslani. Maslani, yes. She has been cast as She-Hulk for the half an hour She-Hulk legal comedy. 
I can't believe I'm even saying that. Uh, but that is a show that's coming on Disney Plus in the future. So some people think that it might be her MCU debut. Uh, I don't know if it's that, so it's not a spoiler that I'm saying that. That's just a theory people have online. People have theorized in the past over on WandaVision about Mephisto. So it's now kind of a gag whenever they say that something is coming up. And the internet has also said that it could be Mephisto as a gag. Um, so that's just interesting. I don't know if it's if that's who it is. Um, but apparently it is a character that's making their MCU debut. Technically, the Netflix characters will be making their MCU debut. There is, there's talk, yes, there are, I don't know if it's confirmed that Kristen Ritter has joined She-Hulk, but there are rumors that she has joined She-Hulk. So there's that. I was trying to just theorize if they could throw in Daredevil or Luke Cage, Iron Fist, or something. Um, Maybe Daredevil as, uh, crap, what is his street name? Um... Matt Murdock. Yes. Maybe him as a lawyer. Well, yeah, except that they're sort of, I mean, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier has, you know, they'd have to move back to the U.S. for that to happen. Um, And while there's no reason that can't happen, the Flag Smashers are in Europe. Everything they're doing is in Europe. So it wouldn't make sense for Falcon and the Winter Soldier to simply abandon that, come back to the States and and deal with that. Um, Yeah, that that would feel a little weird to me. Potentially. We'll have to wait and see. But yes, that is true. The Netflix characters would uh, be making their MCU debut whenever they officially join the MCU. Rumors are that Daredevil will be showing up over in the next Spider-Man movie. But there are a whole lot of rumors about a whole lot of craziness for that movie. Now, one thing I did say, and again, I don't know whether we're going to get, I'm sure they'll give us at least one, possibly two uh, post-credits uh, uh, at the end of uh, episode six. Uh, this is just me, uh, you know, uh, one of my, uh, you know, uh, you know, crazy predictions out there, uh, you know, the uh, the high risk, high payoff prediction. If we were to get a reveal about Power Broker and it wasn't one of the characters we've met, what if it was Kingpin? Oh, that's interesting. Has he ever been involved in Madripoor? Uh, not to the best of my knowledge, not in the comics. And and the other problem with that is that technically, you know, uh, he's a Spider-Man character. Uh, and even though they're playing nicely with uh, with Sony about uh, the, the, the Spider-Man properties, technically Sony could at any time pick up its toys and walk away, which I think makes it less likely. But he was part of the Netflix show, so I'm not sure. They might have him classed as a Daredevil villain rather than a uh, a Spider-Man villain, in which case... You know, he would be fair game. Very interesting. I do think that in this next episode, episode five, we will be getting our first uh, uh, mid-credits sequence of the season. We, uh, if uh, we're going to use Wanda as the example, Wanda Vision, uh, its uh, penultimate episode of the season, featured the first uh, mid-credits scene of the series. So we could potentially be getting that in the next episode. So, everyone, make sure you stick through the credits. At least, you know, the, the, the pretty ones that have nice backgrounds and that sort of thing. All right. Was there anything that I missed? A teeny tiny little moment? Anything before we head into the MVP? I just feel obliged to point out how effectively Io disarmed Bucky. Oh, yes. I, I enjoyed your use of uh, the word disarmed. 
Um, yes, that was amazing. Oh God, I loved and the line. Did you know she could do that? <laughs> yeah, no. no, of course. But again, it it just shows the Wakandans, right? They are they're 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 smart. They're thinking ahead. They're making sure that you know none of this stuff could be used against them. They always have that fallback. Um, I'm I'm so looking forward to the uh, the World of Wakanda series now. Oh my God, it's gonna be so yes. Fun. I agree. I hope Letitia Wright comes back for it. She was oh, delightful. Yes. I uh, just want to mm-hmm. say that yes. that there's there's a there's a juxtaposition between like seeing Captain America take the shield and like slam it on somebody's neck, which I assume is what happened to the, to make it bloody and kill somebody, and Captain America fighting against Iron Man in in the in one of the movies and almost killing him but then deciding at the very last second to hit it to hit his arc reactor instead so mm-hmm. like it just goes to show you the difference in both of the captain americas yeah i feel like we completely understand the difference <laughs> after this episode with captain america mm uh, one little thing that I noticed that just, it made me giggle, because I was like, come on, Disney+. Plus." So, Io tells to Bucky, like, the last thing she says to him is, Bost, damn you, uh, James. And in the uh, closed captioning, it said, like, Wakandan in parentheses, as if they couldn't translate that. Wakandan, James. I was like, come on, people. It wasn't that difficult to type out closed caption typers. But saying. that's, you know, getting back to what we were talking about in terms of the, the consequences uh, to uh, to James for what he's doing. You know, this is the person who, you know, shepherded him back, uh, yeah. you know, uh, you know, you know for, at the last thing she says to him, you know, presumably the last thing we'll hear from a Wakandan in the series is God damn you. Uh, James, you know, basically suggesting that, you know, he's not going back to Wakanda. He's not getting that peace. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think, you know, he's, he is really sacrificing a lot. Yeah. Uh, some people were wondering online, um, and, and, uh, the, uh, showrunners have, um, basically, uh, uh uh, they've um, issued a statement basically saying this is not going to happen. But some people were wondering, do like they they thought you know would we see potentially you know Chadwick Boseman as Black Panther on the series? Like, did he record a secret scene um, that we didn't know about? And we've seen a lot of characters that we didn't know that were not announced that were going to be on Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and um, could he be one of those? And the, the producers were basically like, no, you know, we we don't, we didn't, and, um, you know, we would not use sort of like Black Panther, especially after Chadwick's death, as sort of like, you know, surprise, this is the cameo, and that sort of thing. And they felt like that would be wrong. Um, if they were to have used them, they would have mentioned it and that sort of thing. Um, but it was an interesting idea, especially after everything that happened in this episode. Um you know, just the idea that they would have needed T'Challa as a means to sort of calm everything down. Um, I feel like because the producers already said that we're not going to see T'Challa, I would also assume that we're not going to see Shuri. 
Um, so that's going to be a dangling plot thread, I think, at the end of the series. Uh, Bucky's relationship with Wakanda. That's going to be kind of interesting. Uh, whether they do a second season or if this is the type of storyline that will continue on in the films. Uh, it's, I think that's going to be fascinating. Or uh, segue into the world of Wakanda series. You know, mm-hmm. uh, go back to Io and uh, and possibly bringing back um, uh, Denai Guerrero's uh, character and having them talk oh, about, yeah. you know, here's what's been happening with the uh, the outsiders. We must do something here uh, and maybe setting things up like that. That could be really effective because, you know, the, the sort of assumption is, well, they'll use it to set up Loki, but probably not. I think it makes much more sense to keep this the more grounded of shows. Um, and, uh, I think that could be, you know, a really effective setup, or as you say, you know, it could be setting up the She-Hulk thing, but tonally, because She-Hulk's going to be, you know, a half hour comedy, I think it would be very odd for them to, to use this as the setting up point for that. Potentially. Also, I think She-Hulk just started filming this week, so. Well, there you go. Okay, um, they do need to announce when this this Wakanda series is going to be coming out, because I'm curious if they're going to use that as a bridge to lead us into the film, or if they're going to do it after the film comes out and have the film sort of, um, you know, uh, set up the world, a a uh, post-T'Challa world for the Black Panther. We'll have to wait and see. Okay. So now it's time for the MVP, the most valuable player. State which character impressed you throughout the episode and why. Once a character has been chosen, they cannot be selected again. So choose wisely. Priscilla has been conspicuously quiet, so uh, she may go first. Priscilla, who's your MVP? My MVP definitely has to be Falcon. I felt like he was calm, cool, and collected during scenes where he really shouldn't have been, like that shit show with the with the Dharmalaji where a whole bunch of fighting went down and he was just kind of like, should we go in? Should we? Not sure. Okay. And when he was talking to Carly, the points he made were stellar and... I loved it, so definitely going to Falcon. A very good choice. Professor, who's your MVP and why? Uh, you know, perhaps surprisingly, uh, you know, John Walker. Um, I think, uh, you know, Wyatt Russell did a great job of playing a guy who was reaching his breaking point and then going beyond the breaking point. And I think it would have been very easy to simply play him as a one-dimensional bad guy villain. I think, you know, Wyatt Russell's done a great job of showing a guy who is just in over his head uh, and is doing anything he can to keep up, uh, you know, and, you know, you know, obviously should never have been given the shield. Uh, You know, it was a mistake, but is, you know, fighting, you know, and he has the, uh, the unearned confidence, which he plays very well. You know, he's, he's got the, uh, the funny moments, even when they're unintentional. Uh, But uh, I think he did a really good job. And, you know, I bought the idea of someone who was pushed over the edge to get to the point where he would use that shield in the way that he did at the end. Um, You know, I think, you know, his, uh, his portrayal of the character, uh, you know, I, I said when they introduced him, you know, they needed to make him good so that when he broke bad later, uh, we would get the uh, the emotional payoff from that. And I think he's given us that over the three episodes. Fantastic choice, Professor. Believe it or not, he was my top choice. Uh, you uh, did him justice. Uh, so I enjoyed that. Uh, may I say his line about the knives? <laughs> Spectacular. Such a stupid line. Like, it was like a nothing line. Like, why all the knives or something? Well, it makes sense yeah. from an American context, though, because as Americans, you're always carrying handguns around. So he's yes. astonished when you go to Europe and everyone's fighting with knives. What's the deal with all the knives? 
Yeah, well, there is that. Okay, so uh, fortunately you picked him, because that means I could pick a, a sort of a side character that I enjoyed immensely in this episode. I'm going to give it to Ayo. Florence Kasumba. Fantastic. Uh, I mean, ever since she first appeared on, uh, what was it, Captain America Civil War, and she told uh, Black Widow to move, or you will be moved, was, she's just been fantastic. And uh, they really allowed her to have so many additional layers in this episode. Uh, this was like the most that we've seen of Ayo, period. I mean, she was in Black Panther. She's been in other productions. But uh, we always sort of see her in the background as one of the Dora Milaje. And this episode really allowed her to become a full-fledged character in the MCU. And Florence Kasumba was just fantastic as Ayo. I don't know if we're going to see her again. We have two episodes left, so I would assume that uh, we won't be seeing the Wakandans uh, before the series ends? Question mark. Uh, so for for what we got of her in this episode, um, she was absolutely stellar. Now it's time to rate the episode. How would you rate this episode on a scale of 1 to 10 Captain America Shields? The point system is allowed. And if you found the episode exceptional, deserving of more than a 10, you may grant it the coveted golden Captain America Shield. Don't worry, we did bleach the shield so that the blood is no longer on it. Professor, you may go first. How would you rate this episode? Uh, I'm going to give it 9 out of 10. I thought it was a little messy. Um, you know, we didn't have the, you know, the the fight scene was great, but kind of quick. Um, and I, I'm not sure the time we spent with... Uh, uh, with Carly, you know, getting her justification uh, was worth it. I think I might have been a little more interested to find out how the rest of her team was reacting to what she did. They were sort of just there as ciphers. Um, uh, a lot of good stuff. Uh, I love the Wakandans. I uh, love that fight scene. Um, and we got the payoff of, uh, of John Walker breaking bad. But it, there is, you know, uh, other people have pointed this out, the idea that, you know, they did kill uh, you know, uh, a battle star, you know, you know, killing the black guy to give the white guy a motivation to do something does feel a little bit cheap. Um, so yeah, I just found the episode a little messier than previous ones. So I'm going to give it, uh, which is still, you know, pretty good nine out of 10 shields. All right. So the professor gives it a nine. Priscilla, what about you? I co-signed with the professor, actually. I give it a nine out of 10 shields too. I felt that, um, while the story was great, it felt a little bit messy at times, and I felt that um, the scenes where they did, um, where they did have the dramalaji were excellent, and I wa- I wanted to like zoom in and watch more and more of the episode, but the parts where it was Walker, I was just kind of like. Eh, I'm not very interested in this until the very end where he did the heel turn. That's when I was interested. So, yeah, um, I'd give it a nine. Okay. I co-sign with everything that both of you have said, but I'm going to give it a ten. And the reason why I'm bumping it up, for me at least, because we really are pulling at threads, um, it's nine tens fantastic rating. I think any other podcast, any other show that we podcast about would die for some of those ratings. Uh, but the reason why I'm bumping it up a full point, the fight sequence with the Dora Milaje was just stellar. Like, I was in that fight. I loved that fight 
so much. Uh, the flashback to Wakanda, I think, was really important. And, I mean, I should have seen it coming because we had Io at the tail end of the previous episode. But it still took me by surprise. And, and I really thought it was a, a great addition to the episode. It added, as I said, you know, more layers to Io as well as to Bucky. And the final image at the end, I, I was just so shocked by what I saw because it is a Disney plus show, whether he was beheaded or just whatever he was struck in the chest until he died. It was still probably one of the most graphic things that Disney plus has ever shown. And I'm glad that they went there because we needed to see John Walker completely dive off the deep end um, to, to show us where this new cap is. So those three elements for me kind of kicked it up an additional point. Uh, yeah, so I'm giving it a solid 10. And on that note, join us next time for a brand new installment of the Avengers Initiative, Falcon and Winter Soldier. Here's our announcer to remind you on how you can interact with us. Follow Poppy Chula Radio on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Poppy Chula Radio. Do you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns? Email us via contact at poppychularadio.com. Are you interested in joining the Poppy Chula Radio team as an on-air personality? Email talent at poppychularadio.com. Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio programs by visiting poppychularadio.com slash archives. You can also download tonight's broadcast and the rest of the series through Apple Podcasts and Google Play. Just search for The Avengers Initiative. Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and subscribe. Thanks, announcer. My co-hosts, please wish the listeners a good night, starting off with the professor. What's with all the knives? And what's with all this Turkish delight? <laughs> You're funny. And Priscilla. Don't listen to that man. He's a bad man. Oh, she's talking about the professor. Thanks for tuning in. Download new episodes of the Avengers Initiative, Falcon and Winter Soldier, every Tuesday via Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and the Poppy Chula Radio Archives. Good night.